welcome back to another episode of Ag Watchers, uh, brought to you by Andrew Whitelaw and Matt Dalgleish. Matt, how's it going? Just the two of us today. That's it. That could be a good lyric for a song, just the two of us. We can make it if we try, Andrew. We can. If we, if we try our hardest, we can. That's it. Well, we're very, we're very trying. We've been told we're very trying, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know, you're, you're, what, what is this? Marmite. Lovers are haters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now we had we had an interesting week, Matt. We uh, mm. we took our first trip into Melbourne since since start June. Of the year. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I thought it was start of the year, maybe. But oh, yeah. took, I think we took one trip in June. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's it's interesting to see that you know we're having this this talk of recovery and and whatnot. But it's definitely not in the Melbourne hospitality trade. No, no, very quiet. No, a lot of lot of closed places still, and foot traffic seemed to be. I don't. I can't remember a time I've been in Melbourne when it's that that few people there. It was like it was like you know that like Stephen King's The Stand, or <laughs> or, or Twenty Eight Days Later, hmm. with, with 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 less zombies. But it's it just it was dead. Like you you stood in the corner and not a car went past. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so the idea today was just give a quick, short, sharp update on on what's happening around the place. So, what's happening in in your meat watchers' eyes? Mm. Um, we saw a bit of a sell off. I think we spoke about last week in beef. That's kind of held now. The Eki's held just below eight hundred cents a kilo carcass weight. Um, so, very quiet week for meat uh, in terms of beef. Um, the biggest story, I guess, now that we're pretty much through the Victorian spring flush. We've probably got this week now from sales, but, you know, in the next week, it's going to really wind down in terms of volume. So um, I suspect, and, and normally this is the pattern for price movement into, as we get into middle of December, the price does kind of tend to creep back up again. And we've certainly seen it this week for lamb, trade lamb prices have, have kind of rebounded off that 750 uh, cents a kilo carcass weight level and starting to creep back up again. I wouldn't be surprised, mate, if we, as we head into the new year, um, you know, if we even kind of can see trade lambs sneaking back up above eight dollars a kilo, um, you know, it's we're, we're, we're you know, still tight seasons, and um, and the lamb market. When you look at exports, it's been incredibly resilient this year. Particularly, I mean, mutton's been a bit softer for volumes, but apart from a handful of months, I think it's three months in the year um, where we had a little bit of a, a blip for China in February and a little bit of a blip for North America in um, March, April. Um, other than that, they've been pretty solid, strong, above-average flows for lamb exports. So, what, 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 about the, what, about, what about that news? There was a bit of news that obviously China has banned a couple of beef abattoirs. But what about the, there was a bit of news that came out about lamb? Mm. Yeah, that's, a, was a, that's a curious one. Um, I think it might have been the Fin Review or something that came out first with it. But the story kind of the headline was not to accuse them of being clickbaity, but. The, the headline sounded as though China were targeting lamb all of a sudden and, and sheep meat as a new product that they're targeting in terms of this trade tension. So I quickly kind of looked into it because I thought that was one that really would have surprised me given, given Australia, um, you know, sends 40, well, supplies 40% of the lamb uh, export volumes to the world. So we're the, the biggest supplier by, you know, and, and New Zealand's about 35%. So between the two of us, we're it basically. Um, and so I always thought, look, it'd be a bold move by China to, to cut us out of sheep meat because they're not going to get much from anywhere else. Um, and they can only get so much from New Zealand. Um, so 
you know, when it came out as a headline, oh, they're, they're banned lamb, I thought, geez, that's a, that's a turnaround. Um, but reading the article, it's really just the two abattoirs with JBS uh, in Victoria there, Brooklyn and um, Australian Lamb Co. Um, and both of those had outbreaks of COVID. Um, and they actually, my understanding was that they actually um, stopped their exports voluntarily, uh, those two, those two centres. Um, so I don't, and, I, and when you read the story, it doesn't quite clearly say that lamb is being targeted in China anywhere, really. They're still obviously going after beef, beef abattoirs, and that's not great for the red meat space there. But um, I can't really see clearly where they are targeting lamb. Um, so I think the headline might have been a little bit, a little bit kind of misleading um, in terms of what, you know, what the actual story was about. So I, I think it's more a matter of wait and see on that space. And, and I'll be very surprised if lamb and mutton gets targeted by China. So I, in the past, like the two of us have been accused of by people who take things on face value of being overly skeptical, mm. but I'm still skeptical of these numbers from, from China on this Chinese pig head rebuild. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and, and Chinese data, you know, not, not saying anything negative about the Chinese government, but they say that the pig hair is close to normal, but prices of pork have gone up last week yep. and imports are still staying strong. You know, the provisional meat import numbers for November are showing that, you know, meat imports are up again. That's not the sign of a country that has got its head, you know, maybe they have got back to 80, 90% of the herd. But those, that herd must be producing a lot less meat. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it could be, if you're looking at total number of pig as a per head basis, but if they're, if they're these um, gilts that they're breeding with that aren't your kind of traditional breeding sows that are much more productive, then you're going to have a big herd size, but the productivity and the, the, um, the litter sizes could be lower. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly... I'd be believing with China more about what they do in terms of price action and import volumes than what they're saying is, is the way. Yeah, and it's it. the same with like yesterday they came out with saying that they were only going to import 7 million tons of corn this year. However, their customs data already shows that they delivered more than 7 million tons. <laughs> so. Mm. so it's not, it's not that we don't trust them, just we don't trust them. Yeah. Well, we're just, well, I was, I was actually seeing somebody talking about the, the term Chinese whispers. Mm. and how it's got a different name in different countries. Mm. And I'm just wondering if in China they call it just whispers. Or oh, it might be Australian whispers. <laughs> Australian whispers where we are now situated. Look, longer term, though, it's, I mean, we're joking a bit about it, but longer term outside of um, the sheep meat and pork space and red meat space, um, I think we're going to have, and I think we've spoken about this before, we're going to have much bigger issues into the next... Co- I can't see this whole trade scenario... Um, you know, coming good anytime soon for us, for Australia. And I, I did put out a tweet. I'm not sure if you caught it, uh, Andrew, on, on the Meat Watcher uh, Twitter handle. Um, just based, it was a good story from ABC that was actually out in September. And they spoke about uh, how in Norway they had a bit of a similar run in to what we had back in, uh, to what we're having now. They had, they had that back in 2010, where it was a curious one because the Chinese officials got. Um, a bit concerned because of the Norwegian, um, you know, the... the um, Nobel Prize. No, <laughs> Nobel Prize. Yeah, that, that they awarded it to a Chinese dissident and the Chinese got angry at it. So it's not wasn't something the government could have done anything about, of course, because it's an independent uh, authority uh, issuing the prize. But then because Norway didn't kind of play ball with them politically, they started to punish them. And this is a very similar um, pattern of events that we're seeing in Australia. First, there was the initial kind of threat 
threatening kind of language. And then, and then they targeted some specific commodities. So for Norway, they targeted salmon, which I think at the time, Norway was sending about 70% of their salmon to China. Uh, so disrupted their industry quite a bit. But because Norway kind of refused to be bullied, I guess, um, it took about six years before that relationship thought out. Uh, so I think from an Australian perspective, I think we better gear up to be in for the long haul. And I don't, I, I keep getting this nagging sense of dread that Australian uh, producers are going to be, or well, the Australian people and the Australian um, government are going to be, are going to be made an example of by China to the rest of the world that this is what, how you'd get treated if you annoy us. And that's going to flow through, I think, to some producers. And, and you know, there still might be some commodities uh, still on the hit list, like you know, uh, almonds and dairy. Uh, and still, and, and we will we'll be having a discussion about that in more detail next week. A sneak peek for people who are listening, who have made it this far go. into the podcast. There you go. So, so what about, yeah, like, what about, what about um, you, Andrew? In the, I think it's been a busy space uh, this week in grains, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, it's always busy in grains. It's always something happening. You can always make an article out of one piece of data. Um, but no, like the, the big thing has been that, you know, harvest is, is upon us. You know, we've seen prices around the country drop by pretty much 45 to $50 a ton, dependent on port zone. And a lot of farmers are a bit disappointed by that. And look, the reality is that... <laughs> It's another example of we're part of a global market. You know, our prices are falling, let's say, let's say $45 on average. Uh, but the reality is the overseas market has fallen about $35. So, you know, it's, it is just a sign of overseas markets. We follow them down. Look, and, and a bit of that is, is deteriorating basis. So our premium or discount. And we've been talking about that since as long as, Tem has been around the you know the the long 135 days that the website's been up we've been saying that uh, you know big crops equals low basis and 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 we're starting to see that you know it's, and the crops getting bigger you know we've got you know some forecasts this week from sources up at 34 and a half million tons which is a you know it's still a difficult one to see how they get to that number but <laughs> You know, you're talking about a range from 32, well, yeah, but f realistic numbers between about 31 and 34 and a half million tons. So a big crop, mm. and uh, that means low prices. So yield has to take into account. But you know, we had we had that. We had the the Wasta report out overnight. I didn't really think there was much in the way of any surprises in it. They, I've got a. a, a my, my two-month theory, which is that the USD don't reflect overseas markets, so outside of the US, from the reality until two months after the event. So <laughs> we expect to see Australia catch up on the USD figures in, in January. Uh, and look, the only big ones in there are Chinese import figures for corn are way up, but that's... <laughs> We know that's happening because we can see the export pace from the US. Mm. Uh, Australian wheat crop was increased to 30 million tons, which is still below A bears. World wheat stocks were down, you know, 3.9 million tons to, you know, end stocks of 316 million tons. Big fall, or no, it's not not even really a big fall, four million tons in the grand scheme of things. Uh, still keeps it at record levels. And uh, the only thing is, most of that's held in China. 
But mm. really, I think it was an end of year one and there wasn't much in the way of surprises. And the markets, you know, markets falling back, maybe three cents. Uh, probably the bigger news is r- rumors of Russia enacting export uh, controls. Hard to believe that'll happen when you've got an 85 or 84 and a half million ton crop. But we shall see. Russia always likes to throw a spanner in the works. Uh, and, uh, or even a, even a hammer and a sickle into the works. Hammer and a sickle into the works. The, the other one as well is, is the Aussie dollar. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's obviously your normal area of expertise, you know. <laughs> and then when we caught up with the guys, you know, our old friend uh, Trent and Sally from yep. Western Union this week. And, uh, and even then, I don't think anyone was seeing this iron ore rallying the way it's done. Mm. No, I that's that, right. Like, it's just crazy. Like, well, it was only a few days ago we were hitting 18 month highs, and now we're, and that was at, uh, you know, over 74 cents, and now we're, another day or so down the track and we're above 75. So it's, um, it's chugging along. Um, and for anyone that's been listening to the podcast, even the one we had with Trent Osman, not that far ago, the third one we've done with him, uh, we both were saying, you know, that the prospects of the Aussie still continue to be supported and into next season as well. I think, um, you know, there's a good chance we're going to see it with an eight on it, maybe later into the end of next year. We've been saying that since as long as this podcast has been going on since prior to that. Mm. Whilst I was always been calling it lower, then mm. you know we're following that same pattern as the GFC. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah whilst is. whilst China is you know a bit of a a sore point for for agricultural producers, their sort of insatiable demand for iron ore and rebuilding their infrastructure mm. is um, mm. is probably keeping our economy out of the uh, out of the mire. You know, one thing, one thing to keep in mind, though, just on, I mean, you know, it's easy with something like the Aussie that whips around a bit, and and it's not that long ago that we were sub sixty cents, you know, testing down towards nearly fifty five cents, um, right after you know, COVID was kind of spreading around the world, and there was all these concerns around global growth that they, uh, the, the Aussie got smacked a bit, um, and so we've seen a, a, a decent bounce, you know, from fifty five to seventy five now, over thirty percent jump. And people just think, oh, wow, that's going to make us really uncompetitive uh, on the on the global stage with that higher Aussie. But we've got to remember that the twenty-year average is something like seventy-seven and a half cents. So we're still below we're still below kind of long-term average levels by a couple of cents. Um, and from a from an export perspective, um, you don't really start to get some significant pain that's Aussie dollar related to exports until you kind of up above you know eighty-five, ninety cents type area. So. There's a fair way to go before the Aussie would be responsible for export pain. Um, and commodities like wool that have been sold off this year, they're, you know, on a US dollar basis, they're still down around the 40th so percentile. Yeah. They are, you know, so it's really commodities like beef and sheep meat that are actually, you know, holding up pretty strong prices because of the season really and the tight supply. You know, the Aussie's not helping by being at 75 cents. And certainly if it was at 55, that'd be a lot better for your red meat um, exporters. But it's not the it's not the Aussie dollar that's making it uncompetitive at the moment. It's the domestic price, um, you know, which is something to keep in mind. You can't you can't blame you know the woes of the export markets on the Aussie all the time. And it's seventy five cents, you know, it's not it's a, it's pretty much close to average, you know. But but talking about iron ore, like that 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 rally yesterday was just immense. It was like one, I'm gonna say one ninety two Aussie dollar to two nineteen Aussie dollar within. A couple of hours and then back to 198 which is sort of i'm pretty sure that's record levels or at least record levels 
back to pre-GFC, that sort of commodities boom of the uh, mid-2000s. Mm. But it's interesting because like, you have this debate about what do you do with China? And, and let's be honest, no one has the right answer on how do you deal with China. But the only commodity we could cause any, any problems with China is iron ore because that's the only one that they actually really need from us. And, uh, you know, if you, if you look, they could, they could replace us with, with, with Brazilian exports and, and, and Indian exports, but the reality is they would have to massively increase the program from those two countries, which would, which would increase their price anyway. Mm. Um, but the only I'm not way... sure. I'm not sure. I'm not an iron ore export by any expert by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the the quality of the iron ore from Australia is also quite good um, once once you're turning it into steel. So um, while the Brazilian and Indian stuff is uh, is available, it, I don't think it has you know the quality uh, specs that, that the Australian stuff has. Uh, the other thing would be on a smaller scale, Andrew, the coking coal is the is is you know there's plenty of coal in the world, but the good quality coking coal, which is again using that steel production, is um is from Australia predominantly. So all these the see all these all these FX analysts, they always go straight to the coke. The uh, but no like but if no you no comment no comment Andrew <laughs> if if you. Uh, like, I don't know, like, we're obviously subject to tariffs, but, you know, if you really wanted to hurt the recovery of China, an export tariff on iron ore would be the, the only way that could be done. Mm. Never, ever going to happen, though, because no. the iron ore is what's propping up our economy at the moment, largely. Yeah, no, it's and, not. Uh, and Gina Reinhardt will, is going to have more than enough money to buy, and Twiggy as well, is going to have plenty of money to buy more farmland in the next year or two to play on. Because it's it's easy it's easy to I guess you know sitting back to have a swipe at the polys and, and the diplomats that are in charge of our, our trade negotiations and say well they've made a botch of it but you know some of the things they're standing up for in terms of uh, you know uh, taking a, a bit of a moral high ground I guess you know, they probably they probably are things we need to be standing up for as a country anyway and it's just going to be the case that. We're just going to be be aware that if we're gonna we're gonna do that, we're gonna annoy China, and that's going to have trade implications, and we're just gonna to have to wear them. Morals um, cost so, money, Matt. That's it. That's true. But no, like I like I'm not trying to knock politicians because I don't think it's it's particularly easy, and I don't think there's there's an overriding solution to it. Mm. I think at some point it's basically a bit of we have to capitulate. If mm. we're not that important as as an exporting nation and we're not that important as a customer to china and hence why our discussions that we've had long discussions about the phase one deal mm. uh, the u.s is far more important for uh, chinese exports than than australia is so they will preference mm. the u.s to keep them keep them happy and and biden's came out last week saying the tariffs will stay in place the phase one deal mm. will likely stay in place yep so don't exp and i I think we said that on the podcast immediately after uh, uh, the election. Yeah, yeah. That, that there wouldn't be a, a sort of no, softening yeah, no of relationship. Change. Yeah, no and change that, to the, no change to their policy, and um, and and even I think even <clears> that in that in that statement Biden made as well that he suggested about some form of you know um, countries that they considered friends of America, which I assume Australia's in the mix there, that, you know, that, that there could be some kind of a united approach towards China from a diplomatic perspective. But at the end of the day, 
you know, just like Trump was American number one, Biden has to look after his own population first and foremost. And, you know, so we can't expect that they're going to tell China or encourage China to, you know, help out, out, out Australia at all. So we're out on our own on this one and uh, it might be quite a while out in the cold if, uh, if the Norwegian example is anything to go by. So we may as well get used to it and continue to look at diversifying our markets across the commodities we need to. When we've got any choice, it'll be thrust upon us. Mm. Right, well, I reckon that's it for today, unless anything else is exciting has happened this week. Don't think really anything has, has it? No, no, just, you know, getting ready for the Christmas break, mate. Are we going to keep podcasting through, you reckon, or are we take a little, mob do a Christmas special where we sing a few jingles? Just, 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 we'll have a, yeah, we'll do a Christmas special. Just, just us singing for the whole episode. On, that'll be good. That'll be we'll, good for the ratings. We'll, be good for the, uh, we'll do it live, and we'll, we'll we'll have a a bottle of mulled wine, <laughs> and then just crack open the ukuleles and the washboards, and go from there. Oh, for, well, maybe Clint Jasper would like to join in. I reckon he'd be a good singer. Yeah, well, he's he's a multi-talented yeah. sort of a guy. We've pretty sure we've seen mm. him singing somewhere anyway. But the, he uh, loves he loves he, he loves the banjo style music, so he'd be he'd be excellent. The other one was uh, we've got guests coming on next week to talk about dairy. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yep. And then another guest, I think the week after, to talk about uh, GM crops. So got mm. a few few mm. in the wind. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. We got. Um, we, well, I was going to say just before we go, we got some good. I've had some good feedback from a couple of people I spoke to regards the podcast. One one was a, a, a prominent journalist um, that I haven't mentioned yet. Oh. I'll leave the names private just so I don't embarrass them. Um, but then a few uh, few livestock agents I spoke to on conference call, um, they kind of had a chuckle. And, and then there was someone else, I can't remember, just yesterday that was speaking to the tool. But, oh, no, today it was, wasn't it, from South yeah. Australia in the grain space. Just all commented very favourably in the podcast, but each of them did I'm not, kind I'm of not, indicate... I'm not, I'm not sure if it was... <laughs> yeah, I'm taking it as favourable, well, but, but the well, terms shit stirrers, sledgers <laughs> and unprofessional... <laughs> I kind of take it as a compliment, but, yeah. That's, that, that was the yeah, aim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they pretty much nailed it in one. But look, I, I, for those that are listening that, you know, that have given that feedback, we really do appreciate it because it's always hard to tell how you're being received and um, they're calling us shit stirrers and, um, and, but still enjoying it. Then that's kind of, we're hitting the mark right, I think, Andrew. Well, I guess the one thing we can say, unlike a lot of other podcasts, is there ain't no script. There's generally no agenda <laughs> to what we talk about. <laughs> and it is just off the cuff. So yeah. we do not read from a script, says Andrew. No, oh, <laughs> no. no we do not. Yes, That's exactly right. Matthew mm. says we do not read off a script. Mm. Andrew now says time to go. <laughs> so if, if anyone is enjoying the podcast, you know, this is just a hobby for the two of us uh, because we don't really have much else to do in our boring lives um, share it with your friends and family uh, be good to get it out there the more the merrier um, and if you ever see us now that lockdown is over in a pub you know just shout across and say right here's a here's a pint for the boys uh, but other than that we will uh, we'll see you next week see you when you got nothing on <laughs>